covering the worst of first uh we're kind of be just going to be going back and forth um talking about it so we're going to be going from the bottom all the way up to the top um here so uh nick did you want to do go first or uh, should i okay so uh for my worst of i only uh brought uh, uh five films to the table but i'll guess i'll go first my number five is going to be one of the most horrifying unintentionally so films i think i've seen this year written uh distributed by a big company directed by a man responsible for one of the all-time film trilogies with robert zemeckis and his live act quote-unquote live action remake of pinocchio mm. and this soulless uncanny valley monstrosity that has been unleashed on the screen and well not even on the screen on our disney plus accounts and having it just do every single cliche that i hate with like modern children's films having really outdated jokes like like stopping the film for a second to have pinocchio look at a piece of actual shit and it's like, like uh, are you are you trying to lampshade how terrible your movie is, or are you just just fucking around with me, Zemeckis? But going back to our review of the film, there's really nothing here. The animation, I guess, in some parts looks kind of impressive. You get an impressive vocal performance from Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Jiminy Cricket. But just the fact that I saw Del Toro's version, which that movie was intending to be frightening, at least with the initial introduction of Pinocchio in that, and somehow this is scarier. And I, I've said my piece about this film. I'm not going <laughs> to anymore. Uh, yeah. So this was a movie. It's directed by Robert Zemeckis. Um, there were actually three Pinocchio movies that came out this year. This one, there was the Guillermo <laughs> del Toro animated one. And there was another animated one as well that came out. So there's three Pinocchio movies that came out. I didn't see the other animated Pinocchio film. I saw the Guillermo del Toro uh, animated Pinocchio film. Uh, which was very good. Uh, which was really, really good. It was. It's on Netflix. Um, this one was, yeah. I mean, like you said, I mean, it was huge, uh, huge failing um, in every sense of the word, uh, really. And uh, you know, wacky performance from Tom Hanks, who's usually very reliable, uh, veteran actor. But I thought he was just kind of all over the place here. Um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. If anything, twenty twenty two is. For me, 2022 is the year where Tom Hanks has fallen off because he, he's done like two different films where he's put on a wildly different accent. And it's been some of the worst performances I've ever seen of, out of an actor this entire year. Yeah, um, he's got that movie out right now called uh, My Name is Otto, I think. Is that the name of it? Um, My Name Man Called Otto. Yeah, he's got that out right now. Um, so yeah, so I haven't seen that, but uh, where he's basically just playing, where he's basically just playing Clint Eastwood's character from Gran Torino. Yeah, except I guess maybe less, probably maybe less racist, maybe possible. Eh. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. Um. All right. Uh. So you had Pinocchio there. Um. So I'm gonna do some honorable mentions with my worst of uh, before I get into my worst of list. Uh. My first honorable mention is Firestarter. Firestarter was the movie that is uh, based on the Stephen King uh adapt the novel. Um. 
so this is an adaptation of it um there was also a movie uh of it at one time uh, so there was also another movie with drew barrymore in it this that was in the 80s um this came on streaming i think it was like wasn't it a, i think i believe it was a simultaneous release where it was streaming and it was in movie theaters because this was also mm-hmm. on peacock as well um and this yeah, is Pe- yeah peacock was the studio yeah peacock was the studio that was doing the day and date releases for a lot of their films yeah because they did the same thing with halloween ends as well um so yeah so here you have zach efron um this was just an incredibly flat movie all across the board i mean there was some kind of some interesting stuff they did i mean obviously this movie now being in 2022 it can do a lot of things that the older movie couldn't do special effects wise Mm -hmm. um but um, it it still is an incredibly just kind of flat movie all around. I did I did do like I did like Zac Efron's performance as the dad. I thought he did pretty decent. Um, I, I mean I think he it showed that he can step out and do a little bit more dramatic stuff um, when kind of given the opportunity to do so. So I I want to see that. Um, he's going to be in a movie upcoming. Which it's about like a he's going to be playing a wrestler, um, and it's about I think the Von Eric family, uh, which is like a wrestling dynasty family. And I'm excited to see because I I heard about that story when I was watching the Dark Side of the Ring. Um, it's a very tragic story what happened to this family if you know what happened to them. So I'm I, I'm looking forward to that. Maybe that could be like his wrestler. Maybe I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but. Um, you know, so here, yeah, so it's a movie that, you know, the little girl, um, you know, she's fine, she's okay, uh, but it's just a movie that follows a lot of these kind of traditional beats, and, you know, the the villains are so, you know, you know, typecast, and everything is so kind of generic in that sense, you know, uh, and there was just nothing exciting about this movie uh, at all, uh, really completely forgettable uh, in every sense of the word, uh, yeah, so yeah. that for me. Yeah, the only the only reason that Firestarter is pr- is not on my list is because I've tried on three separate occasions to watch it, and every single time it's just like twenty minutes in. <laughs> yeah, I just fell asleep every single time. I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's yeah. I I mean it's just yeah, very very boring movie. I I wouldn't even recommend to stream it. Uh, if you did see it, it's just like I don't think it's even worth a movie to stream. Like Halloween, uh, like Halloween ends. I think that's worth a stream if you just if you probably sit at home like yeah. something like Halloween. Halloween ends. I it's not a good movie, but it is a fascinating one. Yeah. And how did this get made? And how did it turn out the way it did? I can't say the same thing about Firestarter. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what is next for you? Okay, my next on my worst of list is the bane of my existence in the comic book genre. It is, it, you know what, Josh, um, have you checked the time lately? Uh, do you know what time it is? <laughs> it's morbid time, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's morbid time, baby. <laughs> yeah, my number four worst of the year is is the Jared Leto attempted vehicle Morbius. This is just every single thing that is wrong with comic book movies. Every single thing that filmmakers like scorsese like all those guys say that about how you know superhero movies aren't cinema if i if the only frame of reference i had was morbius i'd agree because it's just flat it's dull jared leto is sleepwalking through this in a role where he apparently was walking on actual crutches and just causing all kinds of delays every time he needed to take a shit for a movie that ended up being awful, that got released twice because of memes. 
The mm. one thing I can say positive about the movie is Matt Smith is having the time of his life, and it's not higher on my list because I have so much respect for Smith as an actor and that he was so incredible in House of the Dragon, which also came out later this year. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the only reason to kind of see. I think Matt Smith tries to do something, you know, with the movie as best he can. Um, hey, it, it gave us the birth of a new meme, and that's him shirtless in the bathroom dancing to have sex. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, he's the only, if you are going to watch it, he's the only thing worthwhile to watch about it. Um, I do think Morbius is one of the worst comic book movies of the year. For me, it's this year's Venom. Um, you know, so at least Black Adam, I mean, if Morbius hadn't came out, probably Black Adam might have been the worst comic book movie of the year, but luckily Morbius came out this year. So. Yeah, there's a thing, and yeah, I'm glad you brought up that point. With Black Adam, it's less about like a failing of that movie, but everything in that movie, except for the like main kid actor, is at least done competently. Mm. I can say that for Black Adam, and I can't say that for Morbius. At least with Black Adam, the effects look good. The performances, at least for except for that one kid actor, I can tell everybody's everybody is trying at the very least. Mm, yeah, and I think Black Adam, the biggest fault with that is just like it's the best superhero movie of two thousand and seven. I think that's just that's just the thing <laughs> about it. Um, so you had Morbius in number four. Yeah. Yeah, Black Adam is hilarious because the hierarchy of the DC universe did actually change this year. <laughs> yeah, it's not for the rocks. Man. Yeah, just the rock is not going to be a part of it in any way. Uh, looks like it. Wait, no. It was like it's like he he like seventeen years ago. Whenever that movie started getting in development, he made a wish on a monkey's paw, and it finally came true. And now the comeuppance. <laughs> Um, all right, so I'm gonna go into another honorable mention for me. Um, and it is gonna be Babylon. Uh, Babylon is the recent movie with Damon Chazelle, um, starring Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt and Diego uh, uh, Calva. Um, you know, star studded cast, uh, director who broke into the scene. Uh, people really started to pay attention when it, uh, to him when he did Whiplash, then he went on to do La La Land, both movies nominated for Best Picture. Um, and I didn't see La La Land, but I have seen Whiplash, loved Whiplash a lot, thought that was a really amazing movie. Um, this movie, utter disappointment for me. Um, I mean, you look at the talent that's in front of the camera, that's, you know, behind the camera, and this was just, it's incredibly repetitive. You'll see one scene of them shooting, like, a movie, because this is all about taking place about, it's, it's a movie that's about movie making, and specifically about Hollywood in the 1920s and the transition from the silent era of film to the talkies, and it's just all about them shooting a film then the they, they then uh then uh, they do these crazy debauchery parties and everything like that um and then it just it's just repetitive from that point on it's the same thing them shooting a movie then shoot them at a party them shooting a movie then they're at a party it's the same thing over and over again and then it gets just kind of you know escalates up and up from there and it's just like okay i think one party scene or two party scenes would have been enough but then it keeps just kind of going 
and maybe if you just focused in on maybe one or two characters instead of trying to do because they try to do like four main characters like brad pitt margot robbie the mm-hmm. diego uh, calva character and uh there's this uh black jazz player that they do named sydney um jovan uh edipo is i uh, i believe is the actor's name and so they try to do that and it just doesn't work at all the the, the jazz player gets the biggest uh short end of the stick here of course because any damien chazelle movie you got to have jazz and you gotta you gotta have jazz in there some way so um yeah I, I i mean you have a scene where like an elephant shits on somebody like that's the start of the movie um like you see the elephant's asshole and you see the shit come out of it and it just keeps going and going it's like almost like even you wouldn't even see this in a in a jackass movie like even a jackass movie would know when to cut away uh you know i feel like and there's I'm a scene sure we have seen that <laughs> pretty sure we have seen that in a jackass movie yeah i i, I mean it's i just feel like that was so excessive there's a scene where margot robbie's like projectile vomiting uh on a person on like the floor like it's like the exorcist or something it's like what the hell is this uh you see somebody where somebody gets peed on like what i was like what the, like this is just like totally just everything is off with this movie um so yeah i i so i i just was like i did not really enjoyed all that much um i gave it a skip it uh we just reviewed it just yesterday um so yeah i i mean i just it was not a fan of this movie whatsoever i mean the people in my theater they were laughing i mean they were somewhat enjoying some of the the comedy moments and beats in it so maybe it is for you i just think this movie is a like i said in the review it's an assault on the senses in every sense of the word i i just <laughs> did not really like it so uh that's one of my honorable mentions there and that's really disappointing to hear because I was just off the strength of Whiplash alone. I really am kind of ride or die for Damien Chazelle. But it's kind of, you know, shady to hear that his last his uh, last movie, First Man, which I wasn't really crazy about. And then this also being a disappointment. It's it's a bummer. Yeah. Um, all right. What's number three for you? OK, uh, my number three on my worst of speaking. Speaking of three-hour assaults on the senses, it is the Ana de Armas starring Blonde, the fictional accounting of Marilyn Monroe and all of of her entire life and her career in Hollywood and all of the abuses that she probably didn't and may also have suffered throughout her entire life. This movie is just a three hours of taking a figure like Marilyn Monroe and just doing everything you can to Bit on her grave. This is this is I spit on your grave, starring <laughs> Marilyn Monroe. It is it is just awful. It is, but where at least the assaulters in that film at least get some comeuppance. This is just three hours of the first act of that movie. Mm. That's there's no other way I can describe it except for you get these very odd vignettes of. Who's the director behind this? I'm struggling to uh, to remember the name for it. It's, uh, um, I'll pull it up. You can keep it's going. The same di- yeah, it's the same director of uh, of Jesse James and the assassin, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, and where uh, Andrew Dominic also doing oh, Andrew Dominic. Yeah, excuse me. Where that movie was also trying to peel back the layers on this kind of larger than life figure that was Jesse James, and in this case Marilyn Monroe. That one was doing it with a lot of subtlety. There wasn't like these very odd and just distracting stylistic flourishes throughout the entire film. Like 
throughout this film, it changes aspect ratios. It goes from color to black and white. Film grain just starts getting really weird. Faces start getting warped for no apparent reason. If you have a justification for a stylistic flourish, then I can see why you do it. Because one of my best of the years also does a lot of that, but they weave that into its story. But with here, it just felt gross and exploitative. It's just one of the absolute worst movies of the year. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah, I kind of felt uh, the same way. Like, we're about to have the category of, like, best three-hour movie this year. Um, if we did for worst three-hour movie of the year, this would probably be it. Uh, no doubt about it. Um, real waste of time. Uh, they're trying to be in black and white and look all kind of artistic and everything like that. Um, I think fails miserably. Um, you know, it just seemed like a movie that was just an entire excuse to go like, well, you know, we we can do like this NC-17 rating and then have Ana de Armas naked um, in some scenes. And that seemed like to be the driving force behind it, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, and absolutely, I think it's a movie that's kind of disrespectful to the memory of Marilyn Monroe. Um, yeah, it, it yeah, it reduces Marilyn Monroe to just nothing but this poor helpless victim who calls every single man in her life daddy. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was, yeah, it, it's just really weird. And there's some really strange moments, like the moment when she's talking to like her unborn fetus and everything like that. It's like, what the hell is like? In the, oh, right. There's like, like three segments of that. I forgot. Yeah, like what the fuck is? And then you you actually see like they do like a they they actually get some visual effects people to do actually create like you know what I mean? You see it too. It's like this fetus inside <laughs> they, of her. It's, they animate they animate the segment and it's like this this like unborn fetus is asking, "Are you gonna kill me like you killed the last one?" It's like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah so yeah this is yeah so many strange moments in this movie yeah so yeah i totally agree with you there um and that's your third one right mm -hmm. that is my number three worst of yeah um all right so i'm gonna get into my list for uh worst of here so we're at the official list uh so number 12 um i have 12 so number 12 for me i'm gonna do emancipation which is the will smith uh movie his first movie post slap um i reviewed this with chill um as i said in my review with chill i mean it just feels like it is every other kind of slave movie that you'll see um and also this is directed by uh, antoine fuqua um it just feels like it's just purely a showcase just for will smith just to see him you know really perform um and i think it feels a ton like oscar bait really um and and it, yeah. the the look of the film yeah, too the film, the, it, oh yeah good yeah Emancipation, it, it is it is a skip it movie, but this movie is nothing more than a shameless attempt at trying to get Will Smith another Oscar nomination so he gets back inv invited back to the party after the slap. Yeah, um, that's just kind of what it feels like. And there's so many just like superhero action moments in this that just don't work at all. Like him fighting this crocodile and, you know, that just feels like so out of place. Um, and Antoine Fuqua, who's, who's known for doing some action stuff. I mean, he did the Equalizer movies, um, you know, with Denzel Washington. Uh, speaking of chill, hey, chill's in the chat right now. Hey, how's it going there, man? Good hey, man. to see you. <laughs> um, and yeah, like it, it just like every other character is 
done a real disservice really i i think throughout this whole movie like his family like you know because the whole movie's like him trying to get back to his family i think you know there's nothing really there um to see all this different you know brutality and everything like that throughout the entire movie that's like you know i don't know maybe i'm just overseeing you know this type of stuff uh in movies really or just the way i mean maybe it's just because how poorly it was done here um but yeah i was i was really not a fan uh of this movie at all so that would be my number 12 uh for uh the worst of 2022 is emancipation there um what about what is your number two okay my number two is gonna be one of the few times where I got to see a day and date of release because when I saw it, I was living in Japan at the time. So I was glad that I got to just get this movie out of the way right away. And I walked to the theater and the entire walk back home, I was just fuming, seething with rage at Colin Trevorrow and the sheer audacity he had to somehow make a two and a half hour movie about dinosaurs boring and my number two worst of is jurassic world dominion the one <laughs> where hey let's do like the avengers endgame let's do the shameless like tying in bringing back the entire original cast and giving them much more to do and it feels hollow it feels like it was made by committee to just get to dinosaurs and by the way dinosaurs are barely a part of this movie the entire, like, A-plot is around, like, locusts and some dumb stuff. And in returning characters, you also have Chris Pratt's, like, Jedi mind trick super-powered Owen, who does he's got to do is just show his hand, and suddenly dinosaurs don't want to eat him anymore. Mm. But while all I can say is fun is, you get a little bit of Jeff Goldblum, like, lampshading how stupid this movie is. Like, huh, you, you made a deal with a, with a raptor. Hmm. <laughs> just uh, sleepwalking through this movie like i'm guessing he should because eh, he got paid yeah yeah uh that's kind of i mean i think that, you know this is a movie with a really great premise you know like you know what you could have done you know with this have dinosaurs out in the real world how they would affect the ecosystem what impact they would have that's not addressed at all i mean they do a, a short like news segment at the very beginning like you know what i mean and, and shows like okay the, this is what the dinosaurs are doing but they would have so much more of a drastic impact on the world than what we're seeing like they just act like the dinosaurs oh, yeah. are just chilling yeah, i think they they said they said yeah they said like it's like the total death toll since like dinosaurs are back and out in the world is like 30 and i'm like bullshit yeah i i mean it just like the effect they would have on eating the animals and then that that source of food being for other animals and how they would maybe go extinct like there was so much that you could do with this premise and you just domino effect that they would have yeah the domino effect they would have on like multiple different ecosystems on the planet is a really fascinating topic to the discussion but the movie doesn't do that uh, and focus on the, this locust plot and then having like this fake ass Steve Jobs dude um, and, uh, you know, trying to bring back the original cast. And 
like I said, I remember saying in the review, it feels like they, this was like them trying to do like their, I guess, Avengers Endgame or something, like them trying to bring back the original cast. Because it feels like so many moments where like they stop and pause, like, okay, this is where the audience is going to applaud because everybody, you know, everybody remembers the OG cast members from the first Jurassic Park. I don't know. Maybe it was different in other theaters. My theater didn't give a fuck. Nobody clapped. So I don't know, uh, you know, but uh, my theater could give less of a shit. Yeah. I saw it on the base theater, surrounded by the dumbest mom. <laughs> okay. uh, so I don't know. Maybe it was different. So maybe you, you all can let us know in the comments, or or something like that, like how that went. But yeah, it nothing happened. There was no reaction in my theater at all. Um, and yeah, so I, I just th there was kind of some of those moments like that there. Um, so yeah, I, I mean I can understand why uh, there's your number two there. But I did like the Wanda Wise. I thought. Her whole thing, like with the dinosaur trading and that stuff, that stuff was again, that's something cool in the movie. The whole dinosaur trading stuff, the black market, all that stuff. But yeah, they don't really do that, that enough anyway. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's like, yeah, that's like 10 minutes of a two and a half hour movie, and that isn't the main focus. That yeah. is actually cool and actually interesting. But Colin Trevorrow is gonna Trevorrow, yeah. I mean, but it did make it somehow fail upward into making another billion dollar movie. Yeah. All three of the Jurassic World movies have made a billion dollars. All three of them. Um, these are the Transformers movies of <laughs> of the 2020s. Uh, you know what I mean? Basically, uh, this is. Yeah, this is kind of what we get. But yeah, so they are successful. Uh, they, this one did make a billion dollars. So there you go. Um, all right. So uh, for me, my number 11 uh, worst movie of the year. I I'm going to go with Fantastic Beast and the Secrets of Dumbledore. Um, with this movie, so um, I think they've been kind of with Warner Brothers. I mean, they don't really have really much going on right now in terms of successful franchises. I mean, their superhero stuff is kind of in flux right now. Uh, that's not really that doing that well for them. Uh, but uh, something they were kind of hoping to guarantee is the Harry Potter universe, the wizarding world, as they call it. Um, and for me, these Fantastic Beasts, because this is the third movie, um, and I found most of them all kind of underwhelming. Um, the first one, I... I I think the first one's okay if you just if it's just a standalone thing, but them trying to do like they they said they want to do like six or five movies of this with these characters, and when they said that after the first movie, I was like, no, I'm like the, these characters cannot sustain uh, <laughs> carrying a franchise, uh, absolutely not. And there was just a lot of things here um, that just like I said, the characters like they just don't work. The characters really don't work. You bring it back, uh, Jacob Kowalski. Um, who there's no reason for him to be here. The only reason that he's here is because, well, he's the most popular guy you got. His, his character had an out after the first movie, and the entire explanation for why he got brought back in the second and third one, it doesn't make any sense. Because yeah. that's like the continuity of how you fucking wrote the spells, J.K. Rowling. Yeah, like continuity that gets all messed up, stuff that worked before like I said the continuity is all off um you have uh i do like jude law's dumbledore I, I i will say i do like him as dumbledore i think he is a pretty good younger dumbledore uh mads mickelson uh he's decent as um uh what's his name um dang i'm oh, blanking uh, grindelwald grindelwald yeah he's, he's decent as yeah, grindelwald, grindelwald. But, but he's also the third mickelson actor now to play grindelwald <laughs> yeah, mickelson is 
Yeah, Mickelson is the third actor to play the character, and honestly, he might be the best one. At least he's the one I remember having the most actual screen presence as Grindelwald. Hmm. Yeah, I see that a, a little bit. I mean, it's kind of hard, uh, but I mean, I never really was interested in Grindelwald as a character. To me, he's just another Voldemort. Um, you have other kind of characters in this movie, like Jessica Williams, who, no, but I, I like Jessica Williams. I just don't think, you know, she's doing like some weird transatlantic uh, accent or something like that. I don't know, really, that, that this just doesn't work. Uh, I, think they were, I think they were going for the Daniel Craig and Knives out. But it just <laughs> didn't really click. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of weird to me. Um, yeah. I mean, these characters really just, if you just wanted to do a Dumbledore prequel series, you should have just done a Dumbledore prequel series and have him be the lead <laughs> and everything like that. And how they kind of really wuss out on the whole love story between Dumbledore and Grindelwald is also kind of there. So, um, yeah. So I, I would yeah, put this yeah, as my number uh, yeah. 11 or stuff. Yeah, the biggest problem with the Fantastic Beast movies as a whole, at, at least with uh, parts two and three, is you're following a protagonist with a uh, Newt Scamander who's played by Eddie Redmayne, who has literally nothing to do with anything that's going on. It's like if we told the fucking Harry Potter films from the perspective of just some shithead that happens to be in Gryffindor. Yeah, and like them, like also they keep trying to title these movies because it also forces them to try to include these fantastic beasts. Like, so it's like they they keep trying to force that. It's like, well, we have to have work up some plot that has to have a bunch of animals in it because this series is called Fantastic Beasts, so we have to have Fantastic Beasts in it. So that that kind of pigeonhole them and they try to do something. And then with this movie, they try to do something with. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what yeah, what was it in what was it in the one before this where they just literally turned the one. Asian actor who actually gets a line of dialogue into a snake. Yeah, yeah that's with these. Yeah, you, know, you say with these series of movies and the continuity, like all of a sudden Voldemort's snake uh, was actually a person at one point. It's this hot Korean woman. <laughs> yeah, like like why even like that didn't even make any and like the fact that she was working at like a circus or something like a wizarding circus. Why would this be like some big attraction? Like you, you people can do magic. What the fuck do you care if a woman could turn into a snake? <laughs> Y'all have actual fucking magic. Why is this entertaining to you? Yeah, that just like stuff with this. So this series is just obviously a mistake. I don't know if they are going to do another one of these movies because this one didn't do that well in theaters. Um, I don't know what the plan is for this, but I, 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 yeah, I think they should honestly scrap it and go like, you know what? Let's just kind of maybe focus on something else. I, I would want to see more movies in the Wizarding World, but not. Not this. I don't think you, you've really put forth a good effort with this. And get a new directing talent. Like, I think David Yates uh, did these uh, Fantastic Beast movies. Yeah, he, he's done all three Fantastic Beasts. He's been on the fr franchise since the fifth Harry Potter movie. Yeah, I think you need a new director, new vision there. Um, and you also don't need J.K. Rowling writing these movies. Don't need to write yeah, these. Like, yeah. This is the most... This is... Yeah, this is somehow the most competently written one of these, and it's still shit, and it's also the one she's the least involved in. Yeah, so I, I, I don't think you need her involvement there. I'll write in the series. Um, so yeah, um, that is my number 11, Fantastic Beasts. Uh, what is your number two? Oh, well, my number two was uh, Jurassic World. Oh. My number one, the, the, the coup de grace of the worst of. I mentioned earlier that there was one movie where I nearly popped a blood vessel during uh, 
the review of it, and that is my arch nemesis, Rob Zombie's The Monsters. Mm. It's just the entire production value of this thing. It reeks of like a porno, except they forgot to get all the paperwork done so they couldn't shoot any of the sex, but the scheduling was all <laughs> off, so they couldn't actually do any of that either. And it's just an hour and 47 minutes of an of a like 30 minute SNL sketch that just goes on way too long. Rob Zombie, I have a huge amount of respect for the dude because you know I fucks with White Zombie forever. I'm a fan of uh, of House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Reject. I have kind of come around to his version of uh, Halloween, at least with the first one. But the man. Just because you love something, just because you're a fan of a property, and he said in multiple interviews that he's a giant fan of the Monsters, that's why he wanted to take on this project. Just because you're a fan of something doesn't mean you can you can work in that realm. Mm. Because you needed a guy that was a very strong comedy writer. You needed somebody that understands comedic timing. You need to you need a guy that understands when to cut after a joke, and also you need somebody who can write a joke. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, there was, uh, when the trailer came out, a lot of people thought, well, is this, is this like a joke or something? Like, 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 what are we doing? And, um, the budget got, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. When, when I saw the trailer, I just remember, nah, he's, he's fucking around, isn't he? Come on. This, this isn't for real, is it? Yeah. And then the fucking fateful day came and I saw it on my Netflix scroll. I was like, wait, you were serious? Yeah. Um, and I, cause I don't know what the, uh, the budget, I know the budget came out and Rob Zombie said, no, you, you stupid. If you believe like we didn't pay millions of dollars uh, for this. Cause I, uh, <laughs> cause at first people were saying what the budget was like, what, 10, 20 million or something like that. Um, and he's like, you know, yeah. Uh, but it says, I'm saying that the budget was no more than $9 million. Even that's still way too much. I don't know where is that money's that's, going. That's that's like that is eight and a half million dollars shy too much yeah um but yeah i mean i had this, like i said when we review i had the same issues it's, it's like it's it's like how does a movie like terrifier 2 which is made for like two hundred thousand dollars look a thousand times better than this yeah uh, i this was just a mistake all around. Like I said, it, if this was something on Funny or Die, SNL, like you did like a 10-minute, like something like that, they'd have been fine. They'd be like, oh, okay, all right, I guess. Um, if you just wanted to mess around there, but to do this feature-length movie. Also, this movie's two-plus hours. This movie's, like, this movie's two hours plus, and... It is... It's pushing to... It is like an hour and 47 minutes. It just feels like it's three hours long. Yeah, and for a, the, the premise of it, that's just, like... That goes nowhere. Like this is this is a movie that goes it's nowhere. The it's the monsters version. It's the monsters version of How I Met Your Mother, which I guess is kind of fitting because it ends just as unsatisfyingly. It it just like it's it's just a movie like him meeting Lily Monster, and then them finding a house. That's it. That's really that's just it, it, it's a movie that the, the premise is just that that kind of those short and that kind of. Those are the only. Those are the only two plot beats that actually matter. And when it actually gets interesting, when they actually have to interact with real people, the movie just ends. Yeah, because that's the one. There was some actual like there was some potential for some real like really funny stuff that you could do, and you cut the movie. Yeah, 
Because one of the few oh, scenes that does Rob work Rob is when they're in the suburban neighborhood and then it's after Halloween and they see all the people just outside in the suburban neighborhood and, and like that that seems actually good like that seems actually kind of works but that's at the very tail end of the movie and I'm just like yeah this is yeah this is absolutely terrible like again this was a streaming movie um if we did like one of the worst streaming movies like I think it'd be between this and Pinocchio uh the disney pinocchio for being one of the worst stream movies or blonde honestly too uh but yeah so that was yeah that was uh your worst of list um you had the monsters number one um all right so let me get through my worst of list so we can get into the best of here um so i'm gonna hurry up and go through this list real quick um so my next up my number 10 is going to be don't worry darling don't worry darling was the olivia wilde film uh starring florence Pugh and harry styles and chris pine um this movie i was looking forward to it i liked olivia wilde's other directorial effort when she did book smart i, th- I really liked that movie i thought that movie was really good then when i heard she was kind of going to do like a sci-fi type film um i was like okay maybe this could work the trailer seemed a little bit interesting but even from the trailer a lot of people could probably predict what the premise of the movie or what the twist of it was going to be about um like you can probably easily guess it um and then leading up to the movie's release, all this stuff started to come out about it. Tension that was going on on set, uh, fights, uh, you know, you saw during even the press release. Uh, I mean, during the press run that they were doing, uh, maybe Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine. I don't know. There was something going on there. Uh, Spitgate. I don't know. I don't know if the answer to that <laughs> has even been found out yet. Um but it's just like I, I put this on the worst of because it's just incredibly disappointing because, again, it's another situation like Babylon where you have great talent behind and in front of the camera and it's just completely wasted. Um, Chris Pine, that was supposed to be like this Jordan Peterson figure. You don't get that at all in the movie. Um, and when we had Rose on, who's doing the review with us telling us that certain things were changed and added, you know, to the script as, as things were kind of going yeah. on, as the sh- yeah, was script, shooting. Yeah this, yeah. yeah, this script went through, like, went through, it went through more changes than actors for Spider-Man. <laughs> and this, this script initially, one of the initial runs when Olivia Wilde signed on, I think it was, the character Jack, who was uh, played by Harry Styles in a version before the rewrites, when uh, she took over, Jack was much more of an overtly abusive and entitled character, which I think needed to that needed to be the case in order for a movie like this to work, because because otherwise he it feels like he's on Florence Pugh's side the entire film up until he's not, where there really isn't a real reason for it, and I think most of that can be attributed to Wilde's contribution because she was fucking harry styles through most of the production of this yeah um and i don't know about the future of harry styles as a dramatic actor or an actor period um yeah i know he was in he was in dunkirk um and it was a small role there um he, he did okay um whether i mean it seems like he's being really heavily thrusted into like the stardom and then lead roles um which maybe he's not ready for that yet because maybe normally you want to start a person off like doing some supporting stuff first and then build up to more of a leading role like justin timberlake when he really first started coming out like he just didn't get catapulted to being a lead star like it's more like he was in smaller supporting stuff like alpha dogs or um 
Uh, it was kind of another movie that he was in at the time. Um, Alpha Dogs, Black Snake Moan, Black... The Social Network. Yep, The Social Network. And he did really good in those supporting roles. And then he, you know, kind of got more, you know, kind of uh, lead roles there with stuff like Friends with Benefit with Mila Kunis and things like that. Um, so, yeah, uh, maybe that could be a better route for maybe Harry Styles. But, um, yeah, it just like all around, I think this movie was just a, uh, yeah, a, a waste pretty much and a twist that you can see coming in the movie that kind of just ends abruptly which is like wait that's it like a movie that you think is like like this should be the the way the movie ends should be like this should be the end of the second act going into the third act not just this, ending the movie but this feels like yeah it exactly it's like this that exactly like when the twist happens because it doesn't happen until there's like 20 minutes left of runtime in the movie that should have been like the 20 minute reveal and the rest of that, and the rest of the runtime plays out the exact same way, but there's a little bit of dramatic irony because we know what the real situation with Florence Pugh is. Mm, yeah. Um, so I mean, uh, which I guess if you haven't seen the movie yet, uh, well, I guess I won't spoil it. I guess if you want to see it, go ahead. I guess. I guess I won't I spoil. Mean, it looks pretty. That's that's what I can say. Florence Pugh kills it. Like you know, that's just expected. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's good. She's good as always. But yeah, this movie was just a waste. Waste of her talent um, and waste of everybody's skill, I think, with this movie. Um, all right. So that was my number 10. I'm going to be moving on to number nine. Number nine for me is going to be The Invitation. The Invitation was the Nathalia Emanuel movie that I saw. Um, again, this is kind of another movie that maybe if you see the trailer, you may be able to guess what's happening. Um, it's a situation there um, where this woman, she kind of is, wants to see more of her family, does one of those DNA tests, those 23andMe type things, uh, ends up matching with somebody. Then the person that she meets with as her part of her extended family ends up kind of inviting her out uh, because there's like, hey, this big wedding kind of happening. Um, and this movie's not, you know, when it comes to the big twist that happens, it's like, oh, that's it. That's what you did. Okay. I kind of waited all this time, you know, for, for this. Um, and it's kind of a movie filled with kind of weak ass thrills and chills and try to scares and everything like that. They try to do, um, the whole kind of situation is set up of the movie. I was like, you could see something better in something like ready or not. Um, you can see something better like that, where that kind of really reminded me of, I think it has a much better payoff throughout the entire movie. Um, you know, maybe okay. some, well, I think a, a a benefit of like something, uh, something like the invitation versus a film like Ready or Not. A, the invitation was PG thirteen, if I remember right. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Versus Ready or Not, where that was an R rated hard R, with much more of a like darkly comedic tone, and the invitation is kind of playing it straight with a PG thirteen rating. So Ready or Not is a film that can take like bigger leaps with its violence with its themes versus the invitation which kind of falls flat or another movie that uh we saw earlier this year which is a, a pray for the devil yeah weak ass possession movie yeah uh which i almost put it like my honorable mention pray for the devil i almost put that on there too it's <laughs> honorable mention uh but yeah that could be a reason yeah and it is pg-13 um nathalie emmanuel i mean this is actually maybe the first time i've seen her lead role in a movie um i want better for her uh i mean you know i think she's she's got some i mean she's fine as hell i do want better for her uh seeing more movies and everything like that um and do some other movies outside of just fast and furious i mean i want to see her kind of some more stuff other than that uh, like, natalie emmanuel we yeah, natalie emmanuel we love you 
you are fine as hell, but fire your agent. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do want to see her kind of some more stuff. Um, her best friend in the movie um, kind of was like a little bit like they're trying to do, I think, Lil Real Howery from Get Out. A little bit like that, I think, with her best friend there. Um, that, you know, trying to do like, you know, the really big comedic relief in the movie. And then the way the movie ends, um, it's funny the way it ends because it's like, <laughs> I, I won't spoil it, but it, it's kind of funny the way that it ends, like what happens. Um, it's like it's one of the funniest endings I've seen this year. But I know they did not intend for it to be a big laugh, which just makes it funnier. Yeah. Uh, so that that just, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so that was, for me, my number nine film was The Invitation. Uh, number eight, uh, I am going to go with uh, Deep Water. Deep Water uh, was the movie that gave me blue balls. Um, here, uh, just like Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Yeah, this was the only movie that while I was watching it, it was cucking me uh, because uh, you have in the movie Ben Affleck, who, who's married to Ana de Armas, um, and it is the a very one-sided relationship where she can, I guess, she can go off and hook up with all these younger dudes or other dudes, and he just has to just sit there and be sad about it uh, because... Just like, you know, I was talking about Babylon, how extremely repetitive that movie is. This movie is extremely repetitive. Like, constant throughout the movie, you see scenes where Ana de Armas, she's hooking up with a guy. Ben Affleck walks in on them, looks sad, then walks out. Um, and that happens like three, four times throughout the movie where he's just walking into a situation, looks sad, walks away, and then ends up killing the dude that she's uh, that she was hooking up with. Um, like I said during the review, this is a white Tyler Perry movie. Like, you know what I mean? If, if Ty- Tyler Perry had directed this and it had starred, uh, um, like, uh, uh, what's her name? Um, who was in I Can Do Bad All By Myself, Taraji P. Henson and Idris Elba. And Idris Elba or somebody like that, if this had been the cast, then this would have been, it, I'm telling you, it would have been the same thing. Because this is, this is, everything about this is a white Tyler Perry movie. It's stuff like he gets away with killing these dudes. It's like, there's no fucking way he would get away with killing these dudes. It's like, you either got to be really shitty at your job or something. Because it's like, there is no fucking way, man. Like he, well, 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 these are also, well, like the, the entire thing. Because uh, apparently the novella it was based on was written back in like the 1940s. It was set during that time period. But here they kind of shift it to modern day. And but the whole point is these are like absurdly wealthy people. So I can kind of see how then, but you're <laughs> not wrong. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's comical, man. I mean, it's funny, though. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it's trying so hard to be yeah, dude, serious. Dude, dude, and it's dude, funny. Dude, I agree. I agree with you. This is not a good movie. But if you ask me if I had a great time watching it, I could... I If I said I didn't have fun watching it, I would be lying. Because I had so much fun with this. And just yeah. how absurd it was. Yeah, it's just It's great. Because, like, there's a scene where, like... This one dude that just doesn't like him, that he has common sense. He's like, I know you killed these dudes. Um, That man is is like the biggest hater of the year in in a movie. uh, Yeah. For no reason. I mean, because he knows, because he's like, bro, I know you killed these people. Like, like, because there's a scene where he kills a dude. He kills the dude from Euphoria, Jacob from Euphoria. He kills him in the pool. 
and it's like, well, there's only there was only two of you in the pool. Like, what the fuck happened? Like, obviously, something something happened here. Like, you tell me, just this young dude just all of a sudden drowned in the pool. Like, what the fuck? Like, clearly, something happened here. And there's a scene where he's like, he um, finds him hiding the body, the dude that's the hater, and then he sees him. He's, he's like driving full speed in his car, and he like is trying. To like text for help, to text somebody to call for help, and he gets stopped by fucking autocorrect. <laughs> and then you see Ben Affleck, he's chasing him with a bike and through the woods. He's chasing him like what the, in, a, in a car. He's chasing him with a bike. Like come on, man, fucking ridiculous. Like this shit is a Tyler Perry movie, man. This shit is ridiculous. Some shit you see out of goddamn. This was in uh, fucking what was that Tyler Perry? This is some Temptation. You see this shit in Temptation. You, you see some shit like that. Like, that's what this shit is, man. Because this is ridiculous. All the shit that happens, I'm like, man, this is this. But again, I, again, I can't put this on my worst of because I had too much fun with it. But you're not wrong. Yeah, I, I, I mean, this is this is this crazy. But I mean, I, I would say it's it would be good, like you said, like Nick said, it's good to laugh at. So if you want to put something on and have like a fun trashy night, this would probably be good to to kind of put on for that. Um, so that was my number eight. Um, let me go to my number seven here. Um, so my number seven would be uh, Moonfall. Uh, Moonfall uh, was probably some like one of my contenders for the one of the worst blockbusters this year. Um, here you had the movie with uh, uh, Patrick. What's his name? Patrick Wilson, right? Uh, yeah, Patrick Wilson. You have Patrick Wilson. Uh, this is directed by uh, disaster movie extraordinaire uh, Roland Emmerich. Uh, and like I said, with this movie, it is uh, a QAnon's uh, kind of documentary. I mean, they probably look at this movie like it's a documentary. QAnon, um, all yeah. f- flat yeah. Earth people, basically. Yeah. Just for me, yeah, for me, this movie is a go fuck yourself for one reason and one reason only. Its entire like ethos is. You know what? Conspiracy theorists like Alex Jones, they're right. Uh, and just on principle, I have to give this movie to go <laughs> fuck yourself. Uh, and if you have even a basic knowledge of probably science or math or anything like that, um, this will just send you probably your world into an absolute tizzy uh, because of what it absolutely does. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure if, you, I'm pretty sure if Neil deGrasse Tyson won watch this his brain would just explode through pure rage yeah and Neil deGrasse Tyson is a total fucking buzzkill but even even this would be kind of warranted um you know with a movie like this uh and you know saying that the 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 moon is really like some huge space station with that we used to exist in and like there was a civilization inside of it and you know like what the fuck was that? uh it's just crazy man i mean what what they kind of do with it um halle berry is in this movie as well um you also have uh john bradley who people know from game of thrones uh samuel tarley he's in this uh it, it, it's it, yeah i mean everything about it, it's like you know roland emmerich i mean he made independence day um and it's like he hasn't been able to recapture that magic since independence day of doing like this disaster movie he was hasn't there- been I okay, think okay okay with Roland Emmerich, was there any magic to begin with, or were people just hungry for another Star Wars? I think you had something. I think you had something with Jeff Goldblum. You had something with Will Smith. You had something with it's that was Bill 
Pullman. Yeah, uh, Will Pullman, who gives one of the greatest Fourth of July speeches ever. Yeah, you had something there. You had that kind of level of talent and level of chemistry and level of kind of just pop there, you know, that happened like in the 90s. Uh, now, this is like, you know, doing some shit with the, with the moon has fallen and then all this other kind of crazy shit is happening and it's just all this bukkake of visual effects and uh, mixed in with like it being a car commercial because Michael Pena works at a car dealership so you gotta, you gotta pay for the movie so you have to, he has to drive up in those, I think it was like Toyotas or some shit and then um, also this movie has a lot of like, when you see the opening of this movie, you'll see a lot of Chinese distributors so they got their name all over the movie. That's why there's this uh, uh, absurd amount of time dedicated to Halle Berry's Chinese babysitter. Um, and then the, uh, her trying to teach her son Chinese and all this other shit. Because I'm like, it feels like we're spending a lot of time with this babysitter for, for like something that would just be some side character. And I'm like to find out, oh, well, yeah, this movie's funded, you know, to me, all this stuff by China. And then the, the woman who's the Chinese babysitter, she's like a, like, I think like a pop star over in China or something. Uh, but yeah, uh, so all that stuff kind of going on with it. Uh, I wouldn't even say like it's a fun bad like it's just kind of just goes on for way too long um, and if you want to see like if you want to see some fun bad watch deep water I think that's fun bad if you want to see some fun bad not not something like this um, so yeah um, what were kind of some of your thoughts there on deep water oh on moonfall I mean yeah moonfall I'm sorry I was just yeah, for moonfall I was just bored throughout this entire movie mostly because I think everybody in this cast is capable of so much better like patrick wilson is probably one of my most underrated actors at, uh, of all time and stuff like uh even a film where he is basically just chewing up scenery like the 20 i believe 2013 a team that movie should not work and it should not be as much fun as it is but i think it's largely because he is just having so much fun as being the scenery chewing bad guy in, and then you get him in stuff like The Conjuring, stuff like Insidious, and, uh, of course, one of his like greatest acting roles, which was Hard Candy. And here, he is just textbook definition of slumming it. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, Patrick was... I mean, I like, his, I like his career. I like him as an actor. Uh, it's like he's kind of in that transition where it's like he's... You know, he's, he's got the looks to be a leading man, but he, I don't think he's ever had, like, that huge pop and success when it came to that, uh, like, being a leading man and stuff. Um, yeah, I remember I saw something funny when somebody tweeted out. Somebody was like, you know, he's, like, one of the most famous people you forget's famous. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, that guy. Um, you know, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so that was my number, that was my number seven one was Moonfall. Um, so number six would be Pinocchio, uh, Disney's Pinocchio. Um, yeah, for a lot of the reasons Nick said as well, um, you know, this movie, uh, humor doesn't work, them retelling the story doesn't work, um, Tom Hanks' weird performance uh, that I obviously, uh, also just doesn't work. Did like Justin Gordon-Levitt as Jiminy Cricket. Um, the, the, the weird changes they kind of make to the story, they don't really, I, I think that take away from the story, like the stuff they do with him going to Pleasure Island and like, you know, like the lessons he's supposed to learn from that. Um, I think they do a weird change to that, that again, like that takes away the important, valuable lessons there. Um, 
Mm-hmm. I did like the stuff where he went to when he was captured by Honest John, and then he met that woman uh, who's the the puppeteer, and how she talked to him through the puppet. Like we, I, you know, we did like that. I did enjoy that. Uh, but yeah, overall, this movie is like the definition of a movie that's just like, yeah, this just didn't need to be made, especially if this is what you were gonna do with it. Yeah, this was a waste of time. Um, yeah, when I say cash, you say grab <laughs> cash grab. <laughs> uh yeah this was just absolutely a waste of time and uh i could see why they definitely dumped this on the streaming service there um on disney plus i'm glad they did because i think if it did have come in theaters it would have did really extremely poorly um so yeah uh pinocchio is there's my number six um number five for me um it's going to be jurassic world jurassic world dominion jurassic world dominion um among the list of terrible blockbusters this year like moonfall um yeah this is up there with it um it, you know i talked about it when nick uh, put on his worst of uh it's just like these are the transformers movies of the 2020s uh you know seeing it and all of them have grossed a billion dollars so they have been very successful this movie wastes a very good concept uh it 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 makes dinosaurs not cool like how the hell are you gonna make dinosaurs just not cool like what the hell like that's that's that almost impossible yeah that is li- yeah dude that is literally my like half a rating on box and my review it's like how the fuck did you make dinosaurs boring mm, yeah uh and the, like Chris Pratt doing the whole thing where he holds his hand up um, and and tries to, like, he could basically stop any dinosaur with basically that. I'm like, get the hell out of here with that. Uh, yeah. Um, and then bringing back the original cast members. Like, it was cool seeing, um, you know, the original cast members come back. Um, and it also helps that they haven't, like we talked about in the review, um, it's, they haven't really, they've aged gracefully. Um, they they all have like Jeff Goldblum and everybody like they all have really aged really really well. Yeah, yeah they've aged really well. Sam Neill looks exactly like he did back in. Mm. So that I think... like wine, and so has Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, so I think that's helped a lot. Um, and their presence and it, it it did add for some good kind of comedic moments there between uh them and the kind of the newer people like Laura Dern, uh with Laura Dern and everything like that coming back and Jeff Goldblum, Sam Neill. Um and, and for and one thing about this movie is there's not really any big stakes or any real danger because you know none of these people are gonna be hurt. None of these people are gonna die. You're not gonna kill any of the original cast members, mm-hmm. you're not gonna kill Bryce Dallas Howard, you're not going to kill Chris Pratt, you're not going to kill the kid. So so when the dinosaurs you're not going to kill you're not going to kill dumb clone kid. Yeah. So it's just kind of just like this is pointless. This is honestly pointless uh for a lot of stuff you're doing. So I was just kind of like, yeah. Um so that was my number 5. Um let's see here. Uh my number 4 uh worst of movie. Um Hmm. Did I miss a number? Did I did I count to like? I, I feel like I feel like you skipped a couple numbers. That skip a so I had. Let's see. So let's go back. Hold on, real quick. I feel like I skipped some numbers here. I skipped some things. So uh, for me, so I had Fantastic Beast. I did that one. I did Emancipation. I did Don't Worry Darling. I did The Monsters. I did Invitation. I did Pinocchio. I did Deep Water. I did Moonfall. I did Jurassic World Dominion. Um, so that's one, two, three, four, five, yeah, six, seven, eight, nine. So I have three more. So yeah. So, All right. 
so I have three more. So this would be so coming up is my third movie. Um, all right, so uh, my third movie is going to be Morbius. Uh, Morbius, worst superior movie of the year. Um, terrible vehicle for Jared Leto. Um, terrible special effects. Terrible side characters. Humor doesn't work. Uh, they tried to make people go see this movie. We're trying to throw in, like, thinking it's going to have connections to Spider-Man, and trying to do, and they do that lazy ass mm-hmm. post-credit sequence uh, with Michael Keaton. Yeah, which I guess we can actually, yo, I guess we can actually sue them for it now. Yeah, uh, that's true. This is the new policy now. They since they advertise uh, Spider-Man was, uh, you know, going to be maybe a part of it. Uh, you can actually sue them for that now. Um, so this movie just is a, you know. Uh, a flop in every sense of the word uh, performance wise uh, you know not only just in the box office but just in what you're seeing on the screen uh, with the actors with the writing uh, with the action uh, the only saving grace a little bit is Matt Smith who's in this movie who tries to deliver some personality some you know some kind of inject some life into it um, to some degree uh, but this is like a superhero movie you would see like like maybe late nineties, early two thousands, if that. Um, mm-hmm. It's nothing exciting about it. Um, I don't think they are going to follow up with this at all. I think they were trying to. Sony was trying to do the same thing they did with Venom, but the thing about I think the difference is Venom had already a big fan base from the comics, mm-hmm. um, so you were able to kind of cross that over a little yeah. bit. Venom, yeah. Venom was a wildly popular character all the way back when he was initially created. He's been in every single animated version of spider-man he's featured in most of the video games he's been a prominent character in the in spider-man 3 and then when they announced morbius i'm pretty sure most of the general audience was like who yeah um (laughs) like why would you do this character but they were like hey well venom was a huge success it did make a bill the first Venom made a billion dollars correct i think it made a billion dollars or close to a billion yeah it did um one of the highest grossing movies of the year it came out yeah, um, and they are doing a Craven, uh, Craven the Hunter movie, um, and so with Aaron Taylor Johnson, let's see how that works out with that. Uh, they're doing a Craven the Hunter movie with Aaron, Taylor, and they're doing a Madam Web, which I guess is they're hoping it survives purely on thirst. Yeah, because it's got the the woman from Euphoria in there, Sydney Sweeney. Yeah, it's got uh, yeah Dakota Johnson, Sydney Sweeney, uh, Isabel Merced. Yeah, who's who's Elizabeth Merced? Who's that? Isabel Merced. She was in uh, Instant Family as like the older teenage girl daughter in that one. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, so they got that kind of oh, going. She was a uh, and she was a uh, Dora the Explorer. Oh, okay. She was a Dora Explorer. Okay, all right. Um, yeah. So yeah, like I said this movie is a failure in every sense of the word. There. Um, all right, so uh, we're good. My number two movie is going to be Blonde. Uh, Blonde uh, is the Ana de Armas movie. Uh, Ana de Armas is showing up a lot on this list. Uh, this is her second appearance here, um, where she is playing Marilyn, uh, Marilyn Monroe. Um, yeah, this not a great year. Yeah, actually, oh no, I'm sorry, I said two second time. This is her third time showing up on the list because I also had Deep Water on here as well. Deep Water, um. Oh, shit. 
Yeah, so this is her third time on the list. So this was <laughs> not, a, not a good year. Uh, me and Amber Armas did not have a good year this year uh, for, for me. Uh, so, yeah, here she's playing Marilyn Monroe. Um, like I said, this movie is just, it's a joke. Um, extremely exploitative um, of Marilyn Monroe's image. Um, it's kind of everything you n- don't want in kind of a biopic or telling a story about someone's life. It's only focused on her sex life. None of the really great things that she achieved as an actress um, as being this icon icon uh this legend um and it's just incredibly disappointing um in that sense of what they did and incredibly disappointing because on the armist i think she's you know got a, an amazing ability to be a really talented actor but in this it's just like every scene like almost like this movie is almost it's like what three hours or uh yeah about a little bit over three hours mm-hmm. and every scene is her crying yeah, she's yeah, she's either she's either naked crying Getting emo- getting abused either emotionally, physically, or sexually, or calling the other male character in the scene with her daddy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you see that uh, kind of a lot there. Um, yeah. So that that was just uh, yeah, utterly kind of disappointing there. Um, so yeah, I, I absolutely just did not like this movie uh, whatsoever. Um, actually, I forgot. I think I forgot a movie here. Actually, I forgot to put the monsters. The monsters was my so because uh, Morbius was number. Th- I think I had that number three. So I forgot to put uh, monsters in here because uh, that was also my worst stuff. So yeah, the monsters is also on my list too. Um, with the monsters, uh, like we said, uh, this was an SNL skit. This was like something you put on, uh, Funny or Die, uh, that you would kind of put on there, uh, and. To a, a movie that comes close to two hours, um, that is just absolutely aimless. None of the jokes landed for me. Um, some of the makeup looked good, I guess, with some of the stuff they do with Herman and Lily and and uh, Uncle uh, the the uh, the Uncle character there, the Grandpa character. I mean, um, that looks kind of good. Some of them do decent performances. I think, you know what I mean, as the characters. I'm not a big Monsters fan, so maybe people disagree with me there, uh, but. Jeff Daniel, Jeff Daniel Phillips, who plays uh, Eddie Munst, uh, Herman Munster in this, he is passable, and that is the most, the biggest compliment I can give to the performances on it. Mm. Because Rob Zombie has kind of like shoved his wife Sherry Moon into every single one of his movies, and she is <laughs> not an actor. No, she's she's not. Um, you know, it's it's not a good uh, husband and wife uh, director actor relationship like James Gunn and his wife. It's not it's not like that. Or Mike Flanagan and his wife. It's like not, it's not Mike Flanagan and Kate Siegel. It's, yeah, it's not uh, Ethan Cohen and uh, Francis McDormand. It's not that. No, it's it's not that at all. So I was kind of like, yeah, it's it's not that good a relationship. So yeah um uh overdone a too long uh funnier die skit and uh my number one here i got is texas chainsaw massacre texas chainsaw massacre was maybe one of the when i first saw it i was like yeah this is gonna be on my worst of uh without a doubt it's it's a movie that like how the hell you gonna make me root for racist in uh texas like how the hell are you gonna make me do that uh, with this movie? And this movie does that; it accomplishes that goal. Uh, you know, where you have these annoying ass, uh, you know, gentrifiers that are coming here trying to buy some property, um, and you know, trying to kill them. And I guess that's what the creator of the the movie was going for. Um, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. In interviews, the creator said that's exactly what they were going for. 
And on that level, I can kind of give some respect to to this version of Texas Chainsaw, but it's not fun to watch, except with uh, with uh, the Elsie Fisher character, who I think is the best part of this movie and her dynamic with uh, the contractor that they eventually meet. Mm. I think that is the part of the movie that works really well. It's just a shame it's wrapped around the rest of this. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you just want to see, like I, I said, this movie's best if you just want to watch like Dead Meat or something like that. Like, if you just want to see like a compilation of the kills, that's all this movie's good for. Just to see the compilation of the kills, just to see like maybe the the bus scene, uh, where he's going through the chainsaw and everything like that, like chopping up the people, um, or when he's like killing like ch- like Leatherface is killing certain people. That's really all it's good for. Is is that? It's, it's just to to watch just some of the kills because you're not gonna get a good story. Yeah, but just, yeah, but just have, yeah, but just having that, it kind of misses the point of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the character of Leatherface, because because Leatherface works best when he's basically like the Hulk for the family on the farm. Mm. He, it's Pedro Mounts just point him in the direction and just let him go. And here he's taking it upon himself to do this, where you kind of miss something. It just it's just Michael Myers with a different mask. Mm. Yeah. Um, and if you just want to make a fun splatter type movie, um, I could see that, but like I said, Texas Chainsaw, the first one, I mean, it is one of my greatest horror movies, uh, of all time, just what they do, you know, it's like this, this woman who's trapped on this farm trying to get out, like it has that, you know, feel, uh, to it that, that, that makes it just feel so kind of like it's so isolated and just so scary and you oh, feel, so- oh, you mean, oh, you mean this, oh, you mean this family exercising their right to defend their property? <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> you know that that kind of feeling um and so i th- yeah i mean it, you're not going to be able to recreate that you know what i mean you're not going to be as classic as the 19 mm-hmm. you know 70s uh, texas yeah, so massacre yeah, yeah the 78 toby yeah the 78 toby hooper that was the right people at the right time making the right kind of film with the right circumstances it, it is lightning in a bottle you're never going to be able to recreate that no matter how hard you try yeah so um yeah so absolutely and uh yeah and them trying to bring back you know like a legend like this was you know also trying to do what halloween like with uh like some movies are trying to do like bring back <laughs> oh, original sh- oh you mean the sh- the shameless halloween 2018 <laughs> yeah uh they try to do that here uh with a character um who the original actress she already had passed away already so they bring in like a new actor to to play her um yeah they try to do the halloween 2018 thing uh there that that doesn't also doesn't work there at all um and the ending is also it had probably i will give it this that's probably one of the funniest endings i've seen this year like what they do with that ending i was like that (laughs) that shit is fun that ending that ending made me laugh so hard i was oh my god this is you know what the last hour and ten an hour and 15 minutes was worth it just for this yeah uh because that that ended is ridiculous uh yeah so that is my worst of 2022 um so to recap so the text chainsaw massacre blonde morbius jurassic world dominion moonfall deep water pinocchio the invitation the monsters don't worry darling emancipation fantastic beast the secrets of dumbledore and my honorable mentions were babylon and firestarter um there we go so yeah 